a quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Katrina McKinnon. I haven't had that before. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about content at scale with humans, which I love because a lot of the time with WordLift, we talk about AI-generated AI content. And here mm. we're saying, well, how can we do content at scale with humans, which is incredibly, strangely, original idea. It's pretty tricky to do, but I mean, we're not we're not sort of at like massive, massive, massive scale, but we're certainly larger. You know, we've certainly got considerable scale whilst mm. retaining creative elements, whilst retaining that human touch. But we're not able to produce like forty thousand articles in thirty seconds. No, but you can create four million words in two years, is what you told me. Yeah, we have. I think we've probably written about, I'm going to say between, oh, I should I should actually count, but about 4,000 articles, four to 5,000 articles over the last couple of years. And we're scaling up, you know, in, a, in of ourselves, we started with six writers and now we're at a team of about, I think about 50. And it's just the way wow. we manage those processes and we stick very clearly to our briefs and to our processes and we just get good right. at one thing. Yeah. Yeah. You stick to your briefs, which sounds something like, we stick to I our wheelhouse. Yeah, we stick to our lane and we just get good at that one thing. Terribly Brilliant. boring. Oh, I love that. Right. Before starting that conversation, we'll come back yeah. to that. We're going to look at your brand cert. I always do that at the beginning of every episode. And I looked up Copysmiths. And uh, here you go. Yep. I really like the little, the little shape around Oceania. Um, it's absolutely delightful. Now, that's a Google My Business panel. Uh, yep. And looking at this, I would immediately say to you, you need to build your knowledge panel um, so that you look more professional and that when your potential clients search copysmiths, they see the knowledge panel and they don't see the map of the world and they don't see that you're closed yeah. and all of that information, which makes a huge business like yours look like a local business, which is a real pity. Yeah, yeah, I know. But what, is, what do they say? The cobbler's children are last to get their shoes is that, yes. the, is that the excuse that we can use? But I do know. I know we've got to sort that out. And that's why I'm speaking to you. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, in fact, no, we're talking to you about copywriting, but we've already had a chat about this. So yeah. I was teasing Katrina a little bit there because we've had this discussion before. And if we can just have the sponsors up there, uh, WordLift, as always, partners with CaliCube Tuesdays week after week after week. It's over two years now. Uh, they're absolutely delightful. So you can join me every Tuesday for CaliCube Tuesdays, 5 p.m. CET Paris time. Um, we always produce in partnership with WordLift, who are an amazing Italian ITAI company who help to grow your traffic using internal knowledge graphs. And then I'm introducing today CaliCube Pro SaaS, where we have a done-for-you service by CaliCube for knowledge panels, as luck would have it, for Katrina, who is missing one. Isn't that lucky? I know. I'm, I'm going to go and buy lottery tickets now, although that's a bad thing. Right, brilliant. Oh, it doesn't. You don't need a lottery ticket win in order to take on CaliCube for the done for you service. But that's that a delightful idea. Right, back to the topic. Um, what I really loved when I talked to you is you're taking something like e-commerce, which is massive. You've got masses of products. You've got masses of blog articles needed, help articles, especially with the latest Google updates, which is all to do with human curated information yeah. that helps in the purchase process. That's what Google is looking for. And that's what you provide at scale. 
get helpful content. I can't, again, luck. I can't believe my good fortune in that um, Google released recently this algorithm change called the helpful content update. And really all it is at its absolute core is just writing for humans by humans. And they've literally said that in their documentation. They just want humans to write for other humans. And um, the way to do that is just to, to use analogies and stories and to really get to the core of what someone's problem is that they're searching for on the internet. And then to provide the information in such a way that it's accessible and interesting and useful. And when I say things like interesting it's more than just the words on the the screen being interesting it's also visually interesting so being yeah. able to break up the text so it's in smaller you know smaller components and you know using using visual elements throughout the um, text so again it was this thing where I started the business and I've been tempted over the years to investigate AI because I sort of think you know gosh if the technology's at a good point then you know yeah. we could service our clients you know much faster but I'm sort of yet to find an AI that can do everything that we do, but of course AI has its place. But um, yeah, this helpful content yeah. update that came out is um, again we're sort of in the right place at the right time because it's exactly what we do. It's our whole business model. Right. I mean, there's been multiple updates. There was one last November. Mm. I was talking to Lily Ray about it, which was basically saying we want videos, we want content that is a review of a product rather than just that product description or the generic yeah. description that, that, that they tend to get all the time, which is uh, obviously a huge problem for e-commerce. And what mm. you've been able to do is scale up the writing. And how mm. do you do that? Because I spend ages with back and forth with the people saying, you know, you write that and then I rewrite it, then they rewrite it. For my book, it took three rewrites yeah. and six months. How yeah. do you manage to make it smooth? So what we do is we start off with um, we hire, we can talk about this, we hire our writers from Kenya. So we mm -hmm. start off with uh, people who have an access to an excellent tertiary education system. We also, I mean, I know this sounds very granular, but this is exactly what we do. We don't hire people who say that they have SEO experience. So if someone turns up in our inbox saying, oh, I've written 300 SEO articles, they literally don't make it into our team. And so then what we do is our new our writers who tend to have tertiary education, we give them training. So we've I've written over the years this knowledge base of, um, you know, how to write a compelling introduction or how to proofread your article or how to write subheadings that have value. And what I've done in this training is that I don't teach SEO at all to our writers, but all the principles underlying mm. the training are SEO. So as we all know, um, you know, it's better to write a subheading that sort of says, rather than sort of having a subheading that's one word, it's better to have a subheading which might contain the keyword and it might uh, contain some value for the reader or some intrigue or to make something, you know, so that the reader can skim read it very quickly and, and get real mm. true understanding from that. And that's an SEO principle, but our writers don't know they're learning SEO. They just think yeah. they're learning how right. to write a good article. So that's one thing that we do is we they go through about a two or three-week training course and then, and then what we do is we have templates. So because we've written so many Sorry, articles. Just, just one one yeah. question, is the training course full-time? So you train them full-time for three weeks where they don't actually produce any content? No, we start off because our templates that we provide ah, are kind of like a paint by numbers. So they will literally say, um, uh, like one of our templates writes, uh, the subheading is write 
an enticing, compelling subheading, and it links through to that training. Hmm. So the writers only have to go and watch the videos, and it only takes right. maybe I don't know, five minutes, ten minutes to do each lesson, but they hmm. just have to watch that, get the general gist of it, and then they write their subheading and they're away. But then we've also got uh, content coaches in our team and quality checkers, and they will course correct everyone. And now the real trick is because we do the same thing every single time. So what we do is we we write listicles for e-commerce stores or we'll write buyer's guides for e-commerce stores. Yeah. And so we get a real flow going. Once you've written about, I don't know, fountain pens, once you've written about how to clean a fountain pen, it's not much of a leap to then write about which fountain pen is comfortable for your, mm. you know, left-handed grip. And then it's not much of a leap to write about which fountain pen is good for a graduation present because you've already right. learnt about the, 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 you know, the, the aspects, the, you know, the aspects, the benefits and the features of a fountain pen. So within your process, do you actually have people who you start them off with a simple article about a simple aspect yeah. of one product, and yeah. then as they learn that product, they tend to stick to that product and they become yeah, yeah. an expert in that product? Correct, domain knowledge. So we don't force any of our writers to write articles that they don't want to write, So, mm -hmm. which means that we're not the fastest business on the planet. But it means that our writers naturally pick up something that they have an affinity to. So the quality right. tends to be higher. And then oh, they because they, they, pick the, they pick the ones that they want to write, which means that they, if, if it's talking about bubble bath and they're interested in pens, then they yeah. will write the pen one and not the bubble bath one. Correct, absolutely. And so they, they develop that domain knowledge because then they'll think, well, I had a good experience right. with that and I wrote it well and I enjoyed it, so I'll just pick up another article by that same client. And so they develop right. this domain expertise. So because And because we keep everything really, really simple, it didn't sort of sound like it, but everything's really simple in our team. Um, we just do this one thing, we do it well, we do it on repeat. And there's no chopping and changing. So we don't sort of suddenly go, well, we're writing brochures and flyers for a company or we're writing website copy or we don't even write product descriptions that often. Hmm. We just write blog articles for e-commerce stores. And because we've written so many and we've worked with hmm. so many affiliates and SEOs, we've garnered all that knowledge back into our training. So we just it's just this virtuous cycle where we just, continually pushing our knowledge back into our training, into our templates, and we're just getting better and better. And, and the writers love it. So they might produce 10 articles in a month. So, again, you know, other teams will force their writers to produce 10 articles in a week. Mm. We don't. Our writers are either studying uni or they've got jobs as engineers or architects or accountants. They'll use us as a side gig. And so it becomes mm. a pleasure to work with us because we've got a very strong right. community. So that's how we scale it with the humans. I know, and we use a system called monday.com. Um, and so it's basically like this spreadsheet on steroids with all these automations in it. So we're able to, we've built, you know, a platform on Monday, which I absolutely love, which I do need to talk to you about at some time. Right. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. How it could help your stuff. But um yeah, so we've kept everything very deliberately simple. And as I'm right. joking at the front of this podcast episode was, you know, we stick to our lane. Like we really stick to our lane and so we're able to just get very good at this one particular thing and then do it right. at scale. 
And that is one thing that we all find difficult is saying this is yeah. what I do and, and not being tempted to take all the clients we can from all the different places. I do it all the time. Yeah. And it confuses everybody. Um, yeah. But what I'm hearing here is you have basically the, the Ford production line yeah. of yeah. copywriting articles. Yeah, absolutely. We, I, for years, was, uh, you know, it could be accused of, you know, the shiny, glittery thing. Oh, oh gosh, look at that. You know, oh, that's a, that's a great idea. I should do that or I should do this. Yeah. And, <laughs> and um, you know, it's like you just sort of think, oh, there's an opportunity. I'll do that. And so for years, you know, I ran a web agency, you know, and um, did, you know, um, online marketing and all this kind yeah. of stuff. We did everything. And subsequently I was just okay at everything in internet yeah, marketing. Right. And one time I just had this client and um, I don't know, I just really loved blogging for them. I don't, I can't write myself, like I'm not mm. a writer. I sort of think of myself as a, a blog critic, as a food critic. I just oh, love, right, yeah. yeah, I love content. I love all the different flavours and tastes and all the different types of content. And so I consume a lot of it and I know what I like and I think a lot about what I like, just like a food critic thinks about yeah. it, but I'm not. And I, I'm okay, but I'm not as good as our writing team. But but it was this thing of I I, I sort of developed this interest in it, and we, um, um, you know, this was this you know there's always these serendipitous things that pop out of nowhere. But um, we took this client; they had 800 unique visitors a month, and within 14 months, because I had no idea what I was doing, they ended up with 200,000 unique visitors a month. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And purely by writing copy, we we and, wrote. And you were specialised only in fountain pens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, not fountain pens. But we write. You know, this particular client um, had an app. They had a um, what we'd call a mileage tracker app or a logbook app. And mm -hmm. um, anyway, they in fact they've just come back to us after a, a year's break. They've just come back to us because their stuff's been dipping off now that we haven't written for them for a year. But. But it was this wonderful time where I was running an agency and I had literally no idea what I was doing with content. And I just thought, you know what, I'll just try everything. I'll just do everything that comes to mind. And I didn't necessarily follow the rules. I just sort of thought I'll just make it up as I go along. And and subsequently I learned so much, but I got this confidence that, you know, I just loved this type of work, got so mm. much satisfaction from producing it. Right, yeah. I mean, you use monday.com. Yeah. We use ClickUp. There you go, yes. on screen. We use ClickUp, and ClickUp did this really silly thing to get themselves, I don't know why they did it, but they wrote songs and published them on Spotify. And one of them was called ClickUp. Another was called uh, ClickUp, how, how to manage a, a team or something. And they were yeah. trying to get the knowledge panel on the right-hand side, and they totally messed it up because then yeah. ClickUp be became a music group. And Funny. all of these songs... And they were awful songs. And it yeah. was this kind of brilliant idea that turned out to be really bad. How would they fix it, though? <laughs> How would they fix it? Yeah, you, you would have to remove the albums and actually build a proper knowledge panel for your company. The proper but it would take way. a while, wouldn't way. it? But wouldn't it take yeah, a while yeah. for Google to come back around and figure that out? 
Yeah, well, with the with the music group, the fact that it's a company and a music group could potentially live side by side, so you wouldn't necessarily yeah. need to remove the music group and the albums. But certainly, once you've created this understanding in Google's mind that ClickUp is a music group, mm. it's going to be more difficult to then explain to it it's also a company, especially when the company is actually also the producer of the group and the name of the song, in which case you end up with the yeah. situation we had with Buwa and Kuala, which is multiple entities, Yes. With this, exactly the same name. And that ambiguity is phenomenally difficult to, to wade through. Yeah. That was, yeah, their marketing, their marketing officers probably just going, oh, that was seemed like a great idea. <laughs> I like the idea. I'm just glad I'm not them. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, yeah, you do see these things. So you've got, but you've got to experiment with these things. And yes. sometimes you make huge stuff ups and you learn from it. Yep. Time no, exactly. Know. I mean, and, and that's been the whole process for me with CaliCube. I mean, it's easy yeah. for me to, to look at that and yeah. mock, but uh, yeah. I've made phenomenally silly mistakes along the line. And that that's the whole point of what I do is that I, uh, I mean, I've just finished the CaliCube course for knowledge panels. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of it is saying, don't make the mistakes I made. Here's yeah. the simple things you can do. And mm. let's kind of work you around that that problem. But that's one of the other things about kind of copywriting is I would love to have copywriting for the descriptions for entities. Mm. And doing that at scale using AI, I, I, I tried one out. And it, so Jason Barnard works with Gary, Gary Ilyush from Google. And Jason Barnard has made multiple $5 million companies, neither of which are true. The AI is just making this stuff up. Yeah, a lot of it is. Um, I have seen AI, like I've seen Jarvis used quite well. Um, mm. But it's it, uh, the mistake that people make with AI, I think, is that they think that it's like a, a magic housemaid that just comes and does all your housework and puts all your socks in the drawer and your undies in the right spot and, like, hey, presto, it's done. It's like a little magic yep. genie. It doesn't work that way. It's it's just a tool. It's a bit like it's a vacuum cleaner. It's better than a broom in the house, but you <laughs> still have to know how to move it around and move it back and forth. So I, I literally watched one of my dear friends um, is an exceptionally clever uh, blogger yeah there we go is an exceptionally clever blogger and um he showed me a screen where one of his team was using jarvis and it was this trigger jarvis with a few keywords write that sentence delete half the sentence trigger with a few more keywords writes three sentences delete the middle sentence writes another it was this very slow iterative process and what they were using it for was to Mm. Instead of using it to, instead of just doing the human research of the internet and going out into Google and finding all the facts and then, you know, shuffling them around in your brain and putting them on the page, they were just using the AI tool to pull in the information, to Mm. reject it and to pull in a bit more information and to lead the ideas on. It it was this this person, this writer was leading the AI through an article. So the writer was already a very accomplished writer who understood structure, mm. who understood intent, who understood how to write with depth, who understood helpful content concepts from um, Google, but he led the AI. Wow. And so for that- me, that was a massive game changer. I went, that's, that is how you use the AI tools. That's that's really, really, really interesting. I and mean, one of the problems, I mean, I'm going to try that now. I'm going to go away and yeah. try it this afternoon. Uh, yeah. But what, the other thing I realize is that if I'm thinking or my thoughts are something original, the yeah. AI has no hope because it can't, it can, well, it can make things up, but it makes up rubbish. Mm. Um, mm. So kind of if I, I was, I've been trying to write about knowledge algorithms because nobody yeah. else has written about it. 
the, the machine simply can't find the information, no. so it actually doesn't help me. No, because it could write about fountain pens because there's already a huge bollage, uh, bollage, a knowledge, body of knowledge. So if you fountain think the animal, yes, Sorry, thank I'm, you. Fountain. We've got a fountain pen on screen it's for people who've only got one. I do yeah. talk about this. Um, but, so there's this huge <laughs> body of knowledge around fountain pens. And so the AI has these training data sets, has these data sets that it can asset, access. Mm. And all these AI companies are limited by the money they can spend on their data sets. So, you know, whoever's got the most data wins, but not necessarily because it's how the AI interprets it or whatever it might be. It's all how well resourced those companies are. So, of right. course, they can't write, those AIs can't write on, you know, maybe they can't write on a commercial entity such as a company because that company hasn't seeded all that information out into the internet. Right. And and you must understand these data sets can only um, you know they can only really crawl a few million quick you know a few million pages a day or a second or whatever it might be, um, mm. you know they they so they your data set about these companies for example so let's say it's about Copysmiths there's not enough information about Copysmiths out there and we're because we're a new business we're so far down in the priority order of the data sets that that right. information wouldn't exist. So how would the AI, and I am completely making all this up in my head as I'm talking, <laughs> but it seems logical to me just based on what I've learned about all this sort of crawling. But so those data sets like wouldn't contain enough information about copy smiths, no. for example. So it wouldn't be able to produce valuable. So it would make up lies and tall yeah. tales. No, absolutely, 100%. You've, you've got it spot on there. You've just made it all up, but it's absolutely right on the nail. And and from that perspective, kind of what what you're looking at from, from the human perspective, and we're talking to Wordlift about this, is potentially creating a mass of quality content, mm. feeding it to an AI engine at Wordlift, and then being able to generate decent content that can then be corrected by humans through a process that Andrea Volpini calls da machines dancing with humans. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way I, I think that there's nothing wrong with um, the humans starting it off, triggering off the the systems and putting some of the mm. information in. You know, that's like all the data sets that these machines, I mean, Wordlifted knows so much more about this than me, but, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I should stop speaking now. Well, well in fact, what, what they're talking about is that you create your own data set of your own content and they train the machine using that content to recreate mm. that content. And yeah. the idea isn't that, isn't that it replaces the human, is mm. that it, it fills the blank sheet of paper so the human can then go in and say, oh, that's rubbish, delete, yeah. delete, change, update improve yeah. and so on and so forth uh, which, which is which is for me incredibly sensible well the other thing just one thing that you've sort of made me um, remember is I've got this other friend Alan who um, he runs an automotive accessories e-commerce store but he has 250,000 SKUs so he's got you know and each SKU might have 10 variations so 250,000 products with 10 variations and he wanted to rewrite all his product descriptions and, you know, we were sort of talking a lot about content at the time. And the, the system that he worked out was he would literally take the keyword, and he did this with um, uh, virtual assistants. He did this with copywriters. Right. He would take the keyword of the product and then he would say to the writer, um, write one feature statement, and they would do that. Right. And then he would say, here's another keyword, write another feature statement, write another feature statement, write another feature statement. And he knew he needed about four or five feature statements for a product description. 
You don't need 49. You just need mm-hmm. three to five, right? And then he would say to the writer, now I want you to add a benefit statement at the end of the feature statement. Oh, so really? this fountain pen is comfortable to hold, which means you can write for longer is the benefit at the end and the feature is the, the, the grip. The eco grip, um, this fountain pen has an eco grip, which is the feature, which means it's comfortable for longer periods of time, which is the benefit. He was able to use, well, use, work with writers to start gradually layering on information. And so when you, mm. and so then he was able to say, well, now these writers have learned a feature and a benefit statement. Now I want you to write a sentence about that and uh, knock it together with three more sentences. And so he ended up, and he built this little, uh, wasn't PHP, but he built this little system internally. And he was able to just check a box and then that writer would be paid $2 because they had right. completed this sequence of guided steps. And so I thought that was brilliant because that was the way when you presented with, oh, rewrite this product description or rewrite this knowledge panel, you know, box, yeah. it's a little bit overwhelming. But if you were to bring it back to the core of, well, what's the, what's the main keyword service that this client offers, yeah. write a feature of that, now write a benefit of that, you'll then end up with something that you can actually use. Right. Yeah, I was just thinking the machine couldn't figure out the benefit from the feature. So you need a human being with that imagination to say, I've seen this feature, here's a benefit. And what AI is going to do is just write a sentence that is full of features. Yeah, but it would then, that would be that training set to understand, well, these are these um, benefits and maybe they correlate to these other features or whatever it might be. Right, which is why you need the human being to write a whole a whole host of them. And then if you're specialised, as you are, in just fountain pens, then the machine ends up learning the, the relevant fe- uh, the relevant benefits for each, each feature when it sees it. Oh, that's yeah. absolutely delightful. And you were saying you were working with people in Kenya, and that's particularly difficult from a, a being in contact with them. Um, what, what's the particular difficulty you were talking about? It's, well, it's not so difficult. It's just that they, um, the Kenyan, um, we, to, to sort of step back a little bit, we used to work with writers in um, the, um, in Eastern Europe, so in Serbia mm-hmm. and Croatia, because their language skills were, they were affordable for a small business like mine, um, but their mm-hmm. language skills, the English language skills were exceptionally good. There were a few little nuances in their language that you could always kind of pick up, like when you're reading, they would just have, I can't exactly tell you what they are, but so for, for mm-hmm. example, Filipinos in their language, they use the word short surely a lot so there's these little nuances there's these little dialect sort of nuances that people in different cultures use and I many years ago I we happened to hire a fellow called John as an AdWords specialist in our team when I was running my mediocre agency and um and he was Kenyan I found him in Upwork and he was Kenyan and I and I couldn't understand he was a senior electrical engineer and he couldn't get work in Kenya, so he right. had retrained. And I was like, what's, you know, what's going on? And this was years ago, and he told me about, um, he said there's a lot of um, tribal wars in Kenya around the election time, so the economy gets disrupted, the unemployment is very high, um, there's a lot of poverty, there's a massive difference between the haves and the have-nots. So um, mm. someone, in, you know, the rich, you know, the top 5% will be earning, you know, um, you know, hundreds of thousands a month, and um, someone who works in a shop will be earning around 300 US a month. 
So there's right. this Ooh. huge disparity. So full-time shopkeeper might be three or 400 US a month tops. And so um, I just sort of got to know him and then I was amazed at his um, written English because he was, you know, much better than me, which is not difficult. But and then I learned that their education levels are so high. So because they were originally, you know, British rule, British colonial system, their education is unbelievable. Um, they uh, there's a high proportion. Basically, the the summary is there's a high proportion of millennials with um, tertiary education who are unemployed. And the difficulty is that often the um, systems like Upwork, those uh, gig systems and Fiverr, won't allow them to have accounts because they don't have enough right. ID. They're often unbanked. So what unbanked means is they don't have a bank account. So they will often only have access to a mobile phone which has M-Pesa on it, which is not. It's kind of like a PayPal, but it's only on your mobile phone. Hmm. And so paying people in Kenya is not straightforward. Um, finding the people in Kenya to work for you is also not straightforward because they literally can't get access to these freelance um, gig systems. So... Hmm. Anyway, turns out a couple of years down, I've now worked out how to um, reach these people and there's now, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of defunct limping along Kenyan job boards. There's one which is basically just a newspaper classifier. It's called Brighter Monday. And then there's oh. another one called Q Hustle, which is this, um, it's sort of a very, um, I admire the person who created it because I know exactly where what they were trying to do, but it really limps along. It's very difficult to use and, you know, all this sort of stuff. But anyway, we, we sort of got started and now we've got um, a bit of a reputation in Kenya. So we now get probably 50 to 60, maybe 70 applications a week from writers in Kenya who right. want to work with us. Yeah. That, which is brilliant. And you've got a Facebook group for that as well. Um, yeah. This, yeah, there's a group called Remarkable Writers, um, Remarkable Freelance Writers of um, you just Google Remarkable Writers. Uh, well, you search for it in the in Facebook. And we're looking for more employers to come and join the group. Yeah. So there's um, there's 30,000 writers in the group. Probably That's a of lot. Which, yeah. Probably of which maybe six to 8,000 are active at any one time. Um, but, and, you know, when I first got involved in the group a year ago, the quality of applications and writing was kind of down here, but over the last year or so, we've been doing a lot of training, free training and, um, right. courses and all of this sort of stuff. And so now the level's really moving up. And so, um, for the first time in the last couple of weeks, we've got employers now coming into the group and posting jobs, which is unbelievably exciting for all these people to get access which is brilliant. Yeah, I mean, kind of, I think kind of from our perspective, you 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 say, well, I expect this from a CV, this from a presentation, yes. this from a, a, a pitch. And from from the other side of the world, people don't necessarily know that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, and, and and giving them that opportunity yeah. or the, 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 the training and the help to actually get to the the, the, the approach that we're looking for yeah. uh, is, is lovely. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much, Katrina. That was incredibly insightful, incredibly interesting. And I now need to get better at copywriting too and be more yes. structured. Uh, I was writing about the knowledge algorithms this, this morning and one of the, the keys is structure yes. so that the bot can annotate before it puts it in the web index. Mm. And without that annotation, you have no chance of coming up anywhere because all of the algorithms use the annotation to 
dig down and hook out the information. But that's a totally different topic, and I'll finish writing my article on my own, and I won't bore anybody else with it. <laughs> but that's the, the sort of minutes. stuff. That's the sort of stuff I need to learn from you because I want to pull all of that into our training, so right. that we write our articles so that the the bots can understand them. And so we do little things right. like we always, after a subheading, we always make a declarative statement. We always reiterate what the subheading intent was and back it up right. with, you know, a few extra facts. And so we know some things that the bots are looking for, but that's yeah. what we need to learn from you is, you know, more of that so we can um, build it into our training and make our own work better. So thank you. I'll look forward to that article when it's done. Brilliant, wonderful. Probably, Thank I you not so understand much. any of it, but, you know, we can live in hope. Yeah, no, that, that would be my fault if you don't understand it. It's because <laughs> I've explained it badly. Yeah, Thank you so much, Katrina. We're now going to pass the baton to next week, which is Jonah Sickler, who is absolutely amazing, uh, recommended to me to talk about where do branded searches come from in Google. Uh, and what I'm really keen to know is how much he knows about this that I don't already know. And yeah. from what I understand, the answer is a lot. So I'm really looking forward to it. Katrina, could you pass the baton, please? Passing the baton over to Jonah Sickler from Terrakeet, and I will absolutely be listening to that one or watching because I hope to learn a lot as well. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, Katrina. That was delightful and wonderful. And we'll be talking again one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, we've got a lot of things to share, I think. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Katrina. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs>